Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. I'm your host, Timothy Michael McKernan, alongside Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle. And something was added this morning on the Ryan Kelly morning after as I speak on February 2nd, 2021. What was the latest thing? (laughs) Sauce Boss. Sauce Boss. (laughs) Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle, Sauce Boss. You're going to be like Khaleesi by the end of this thing. <laughs> I know. Breaker of chains. Breaker of chains. I got a, t- I got a whole lot going on here. Now, I was, I was thinking about this podcast, which tells you where I am. I, <laughs> I think if you listen to this at this point, you're starting to become aware. I'm actually starting to become aware how fucked up I am. Because you got to be a little fucked up to talk to, to, to air for three hours. I'm not seeing Jackson... Jackson participates. I enjoy it. Gangster Pete participated. I enjoyed it. But I'm just standing, you know, as I've done before, just in, in, in my home. And my son came into our bed last night. He usually does it like at 4 in the morning. Um, and I sleep through it. Last night it woke me up. I just picked up, went into his room, slept in his bed, thought it was 4 in the morning, and I had been t- I couldn't fall back asleep. I'm tossing and turning. I'm banty as fuck. I mean, I'm banty as fuck. I think I smell the coffee downstairs. So I'm like, all right, I can get up because it's already, you know, time to do the radio show. And I'm like, I'll just check because I noticed I didn't see any sunlight. And I look and it's like 4 a.m. still. And (laughs) and I'm on Eastern time, so that's 3 a.m. St. Louis time. With doing the show, that's that's still a good amount of time, and I'm like, oh my god, I wanted I and I know from what we talked about last week, Jackson, that in order for the podcast to be good, subjective, I need to have the house to myself. I can't be looking at you, mm. and I have to have a full night's sleep. I mean, this is what. Just imagine what my wife is dealing with. If this is what it's like to do a podcast with me, imagine what it's like to live with me for 13 years. You're starting to get a peek behind the curtains of what a mess I am. And I'm starting to become even more self-aware of how much of a fucking mess I am. So not only, Jackson, have I got very little sleep, my shoulder's back to killing me again, the the torn left shoulder labrum, which Mm -hmm. is tilting for a variety of reasons. I don't know what I'm going to do about that. Didn't sleep. And these guys who blow the leaves around my neighborhood, which started at 8 o'clock, it's now 2 o'clock, and they're still blowing the fucking leaves around. I'll I be, mean, we could be in in the Northeast I know. in October, and you wouldn't have this many 
leaves. I mean, tornadoes don't blow as many leaves as the people in your neighborhood do. What in the hell is going on? And it's an awful sound. And yeah. It's constant. Yeah, it's it's like we have Ozzy Smith on this morning talking about Nolan Arnado. And in the audience, here's the fucking leaf blowers. I, I noticed that, too. I was like, oh, here comes the leaf man right when the wizard comes on. God. But they're still going. It's now, what are we talking, six hours. It's been six hours since I brought the wizard onto the radio program. <laughs> and they're still blowing leaves around. Uh, and it's, a, it's Florida. Seriously. You know? It's Florida in, what, February? I mean, what in the hell? <laughs> God, and they do it twice a week. What is going on? This has to be a front. These guys have to run a book or a cartel. Something. It doesn't add up. No. It's Jason Bateman and Laura <laughs> Linney out there. It's Laura Linney, right? Am I right, nurse? Yeah. Ozark? And Ozark. Thank you. I still hear them. I mean, it's... So then poor Jackson, Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle sauce boss... <laughs> I said, all right, here's I got a I got a call at uh ten fifteen. Then we have the Arenado press conference. First time I've wanted to actually watch one of those things and I don't know how long. I mean for real, mm-hmm. long time. Um watched that, heard what he had to say, heard what John Mazalak had to say, heard what Bill DeWitt had to say. I'm sure we'll talk about that here. Um and then I wound up getting on another call and poor Action Jackson Virgin Pringle sauce boss is just <laughs> sitting there waiting for me for how long? I mean, it's been, I don't know, two hours or something like that? Yeah, right? well, I got to listen to the press conference, which I found very interesting. And then I also I sliced up the names for the Munganass DraftKings showdown for tomorrow. Yeah, big waste management. Yeah, and then I built some DraftKings rosters of my own for the NBA. And uh, I honestly... Oh, for the NBA? Yeah, I've been doing I that I do that now on a regular... I'll build two rosters, like $8 a piece. So Same. Nothing, you know... And I just, I'm in awe of how little I know about it. Mm-hmm. I really am. But, I mean, it helps me learn about it. And you still, you know, at least what you think is game theory. It's tough to know what game theory is when you don't necessarily know the players <laughs> nearly as well as, like, the NFL or golf but or baseball. But it's just something to do. So, yeah. anyway, I don't, I'm, I'm, th- I don't know, Jackson. <laughs> I don't know how this is going to go. My in-laws left, like, five hours ago. They're the nicest people in the world. I'm sure they're like, you know... It's a pandemic. We're not looking to necessarily be outside the house this long. What's our goofball son talking about, you know, mm-hmm. with this weird sex antics, you know? <laughs> uh, and then my wife, I just texted her, and she's with our son. And I said, hey, we're finally starting to record. She goes, oh, my God. I said, I know. <laughs> but, I mean, I was on the phone. Yeah. And the phone and then the Arnado thing. It's a whole thing. And I didn't sleep. And my fucking shoulder is back to hurting me. Oh, God. Anyway, I don't know. So either this is going to be really good or really bad. I don't know. I look forward to doing it just like I look forward to doing the radio show. But whereas last week and then I guess what would now be three weeks before, um, all the conditions were right. Today the conditions are not, and I don't know what's going to be the byproduct. But we have a bunch of questions, as we always do. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, TMCK. E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com is where you can send your questions, comments, erotic stories. I want hate mail. Um, Jackson, I don't get it for the questions from the audience. I really am trying to get it. I want to have an understanding. If you want to hate on somebody else, hate on somebody else. Maybe that can be our first step. Mm, yes. like, you're like, okay, I fucking hate you, Tim. But maybe the way we're going to ease into this is I'm going to bitch about Doug's politics or bitch about 
Iggy not telling the truth or <laughs> bitch about Jackson, you know, not fondling breasts or whatever narrative you want to you want to touch on. That's fine. And then we can get to we can try to have an understanding of how I became the bad guy. Yeah. When did I become the bad guy? Let's really dig into that's what I, that's what I'm trying to get out of the podcast. I'm trying to figure out when I became the bad. It's one thing if it's an intentional heel turn, like when Larry Nickel got on the stage at Ballpark Village and began scolding the audience at the halftime of the AFC Championship game to their confusion and delight. I don't know when I became the heel. I just know I'm the heel. So that's fine, but I want to have an understanding as to why. Email in tmckernan at insidestl.com. Once you're over hating me, I can interview your relatives for Sound Story. Yep. Yep, mysoundstory.com. It's, it's, it's as smooth a segue as you'll find. <laughs> but if you can't get over your hatred for me, then you have Doug Vaughn as an option, you have Dan McLaughlin as an option, and you have Chris Raby as an option. I see we had one come in via email yesterday, was it? Yeah, she, he or she, it was a gender-neutral name, so I don't want to assume. But oh, uh, they reached out to me, honestly, before Christmas and uh, just got back to me again. So they're uh, they're signing up. So we'll have one here coming up soon. Uh, do you know uh, who uh, who they are? Are they using Doug, Dan? I don't know if Raby's on. Is Raby on the website? Raby's yeah, Raby's on the website. I just checked the other day. Uh, they did not specify. They uh, wanted to check the flexibility of each interviewer beforehand. Uh, I think I told them to get in contact with you because I can handle. Oh yeah, this is, then this is a different person that okay. we're talking about. Never point mind. being, we're doing these things, and at some point, hopefully in 2021, we'll be able to do them in studio. But yeah. we can do them via Zoom. We have done a number of them via Zoom. I don't think Doug and Dan McLaughlin have done one where they were in person. Um, so if you're interested, mysoundstory.com. Something that in, uh, we were talking about, Raby and I actually were talking about it, like for for bachelor parties or bachelorette parties. Somebody's getting married; it's a perfect present. Like you know. Mm-hmm. Girls get together and tell their stories of, of whatever happened uh, on the bachelorette party or just stories growing up, and then they give that as a gift. Uh, that is another perfect way. Graduations, of course, Valentine's Day mm-hmm. coming up. That's another option. Uh, email me at tmckernan at insidestl.com or go online at mysoundstory.com. I want to thank Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, also founder of eatlocalmeals.com for his support of this podcast. I refinanced with Ryan Kelly in 2020, and I got pre-approved with Ryan Kelly in 2020. And one thing stands out to me, how easy the process is. Then the next thing that stands out to me, it's easy because his staff's incredible. And you're saving money. You're saving money on the refi, and you really, in 2021, need to be pre-approved because the housing market is so competitive for buyers. Get pre-approved. It's like having cash. Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com, great people, someone I've done business with, someone a number of people, our audience have done business with. Uh, it's Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. And once you get done uh, doing business with Ryan Kelly, then you get the home insured with James Carlton, 314-961-4800, or go online at carltoninsurance.net. If your insurance costs a leg and an arm, call James Carlton. State Farm, he is a real loyal listener of this program. I guess all uh, everybody involved in it is, now that I think about it. Uh, but James was the first one to advertise on the podcast. I don't know if I would have thought that in 2021 we'd still be doing it. I guess I probably would have. Um, but before we even did an episode, he was on board. And uh, I switched to him, and I'm thrilled that I did. CarltonInsurance.net. James Carlton. Home Life Auto right there in Webster Groves. Customer service, second to none. People working there from 9 to 5. So you go in, you're going to talk to a live person for the most important investments you have. That is James Carlton, Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency in Webster Groves, 314-961-4800. And 
Munganast, the official automotive dealership of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. And I got my car from Munganast. Doug Vaughn has gotten his car from Munganast. And they have specials for our audience at Munganast. Wonderful specials. Three of them, as a matter of fact. Fewer than 25 remaining. Acura MDXs, 2020 MDXs with zero down, 36-month leases, $349 per month. That's 10,000 miles per year plus tax, title, and license. That's at stlouisacura.com on a 2020 Acura MDX. Then there's the Be Like Doug special at altontoyota.com. 2021 Toyota Venza, all-wheel drive, zero down, 36-month lease, $379 per month. It's 10,000 miles per Per year, plus tax title license. And then the Iggy special. Guaranteed no flat tires with a 2021 Toyota Corolla. 36 months. Zero down. 249 per month. That's 10,000 miles per year plus tax title license, etc. As always, they have over 275 used cars available. Great selection. All makes, all models. It's Jamie Burkhardt. It's Clayton Patterson. Munganess. StLouisAcura.com, AltonToyota.com, the official automotive dealership of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. Let's dig in. I have failed, Action Jackson, to look at the uh, fan. Or not, I just haven't gotten to the fan page questions lately. So I'm going to start there. Cool. Uh, did you see my post? Yep. It's. Uh, I don't remember who the adult star was. Emmanuel something. I want to say Emmanuel Noir. Ooh, that's a now that's a name right there. What about the image? Yeah. Quality. I mean, skin. You, I mean, are you kidding me? Yeah, that's, that's... That's somebody, if I were flipping through Victoria's Secret, I don't know if they still send those out, <laughs> um, I'd go, oh, my God. And she is a, uh, a stag starlet. And, uh, yeah, I mean, as far as beauty goes, she is uh, top five. I mean, I don't know. It might, it's ridiculous. Yeah. So I always put those uh, pictures up in the questions from the audience thread. But then we've we've fallen behind. I've fallen behind on the emails. So then I don't go to the fan page post, and I feel badly. So I'm going to start there this time, and then we still have a bunch of emails. So let's see what we got here. Um, within 24 hours, John Mazzella. So we're going to start with Cardinals Arenado. That's good. Uh, within 24 hours, John Mazzellock said the Cardinals would not be adding payroll, and then traded for Nolan Arenado. Is this a ploy to make them not seem like buyers, or do you think they legitimately? believe it i don't totally follow the question jackson do you follow the question i'm reading it right now on the fan page and it's um so they mosaic said he wouldn't be adding payroll then traded for arenado which wouldn't really be adding payroll considering the rockies are sending over money so i guess there's he's saying that because we traded for him instead of got him in free agency I don't, that, that's a tough one. Yeah, sometimes it's tough because sometimes, and I have one of these from last week where somebody sent in a clarification, and I and I, I think I, um, I think what he's trying to say is, was he running a bluff on the Rockies? And um, I will tie this into a story from, God, almost twenty years ago in Denver too, coincidentally which I ran into Joel Quenville before Game 5 of the Western Conference Finals when the Blues were playing Joe Sackick in the Avalanche. Uh, that was the year the Avalanche wound up winning the Cup with Ray Bork. Blues lost in that Game 5 and were eliminated. And it was a series that I think either three of the five games or four of the five games went to overtime. So even though the Blues got knocked out in five, it was a tight series. Um but Roman Turk had been having problems, which is kind of a standard statement. And I saw him beforehand, and there was kind of some whispers that 
they might sign, uh, start Brent Johnson for Game 5. And I said, uh, hey, Coach. I was getting ready to go live on Channel 4. Mm-hmm. I said, um, who's in goal tonight? He goes, the guy who was in there last game will be in there. And I'm like, that's an interesting way to answer the question. Yeah. Because if it's Turk, it's Turk. If it's Johnson, it's Johnson. But he was uncomfortable lying. And so, by definition, Brent Johnson was in goal for a couple of minutes in Game 4 in St. Louis. And therefore, he could, in his mind, justify it, even though you know he's got his responsibility, uh, to say that Brent Johnson was in goal the previous game. And so, Brent Johnson did indeed start. And so, by definition, he did not lie. And he actually felt badly about it and, and apologized to the media after the game for being deceptive with it um i tell that story because i think that john mazalek by definition is correct they did not add payroll but that's because the rockies are paying Mm -hmm. a healthy portion of it from watching that press conference jackson you and i both uh, just did here within the last couple of hours Uh with uh, mazalek bill dewitt and, and nolan arenado it sounds like this is a this is a conversation between the Cardinals and Rockies that had been going on at least back to December. I mean, I know it goes back a couple of years, but uh, as far as this deal getting done back to December. Mm-hmm. And the reason I say that in answering this gentleman's question is that bluff wasn't like anything the Rockies would be paying attention to. And on top of it, it actually wound up not, I think the math is that the Cardinals didn't. Yeah. The thing I'll tell you, here's the thing, I'll get into Arenado a little bit um, but not necessarily on the field stuff. Um, that I took the biggest thing from the press. What was the biggest thing you took from the press conference? Let's see if we had the biggest. If we took away the biggest thing. Well, it's tough not to. I mean, I. It's tough not to say that he plans on sticking around for a long time. Um, so I think that's the biggest thing I took from it. Even though I don't know how much I believe it, I might be athlete, classic athlete presser talk. But that's what I took at least. I took away, which kind of surprised me, uh, that he said we might not be done. Yeah. Okay. I realized that wasn't Arenado specific, but that was because, of course, I mean, I get what you're saying, uh, you know, and I, I know it's a headline. It's, it's mm-hmm. kind of like when a, when a Cardinal says, you know, the fans are so great, and that <laughs> becomes a headline. That's what they run on local news because we jerk ourselves off into a tizzy about it. But it doesn't matter. I mean, it's fine, but it you know if things change, or if he's not happy here, or his wife doesn't like it, or whatever that can, that can all change. Yeah. Or if the baseball economy blows up, and mm-hmm. he's worth more somehow than what he'd be getting. So that's fine. But what really surprised the thing that stood out to me was Mazalak saying, uh, "We may not, we might not be done. Yeah. Uh, there are always opportunities to keep looking." Because when you look at it, I suppose second base theoretically could be in play because they could move Edmund to the outfield. But mm-hmm. you know you have third. You know you have short. You know you have first. Barring a monster surprise, you know you have your catcher. Uh, you know you have one of your positions in outfield with Carlson. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, you have people who exist as human beings to play baseball in the outfield, but I don't know <laughs> if you necessarily are excited about any of those at this moment. And Edmund could theoretically go to the outfield and Wong could come back, I guess. But that, that surprised me. And, I'll, and here's why I want to drive this home. Mazalek also said this. I'm sure you heard this, Jackson. He gave credit to both the Rockies and the Cardinals for keeping this under wraps so well. Yeah. I have a great deal of respect for that. Absolutely. I really don't have a whole lot of respect for the guy who runs to the newspaper. Usually the people who do that aren't the people who are great business people, in my experience. And the Cardinals have a track record of success 
And one of the things that they do really well, although it's frustrating for us as media people, is they don't give us anything. Mm -hmm. And so this came out of absolutely nowhere, even though clearly it's something they've been working on for a couple of months. Yeah. Um, and I and I liked to hear that. But if the Cardinals are done, he says they're done. Definitely. And that was – and he had the opportunity to say, yeah, we pretty much have our team. You know, we know we have a number of people competing for outfield spots, pretty much have our rotation. And, uh, you know, now I guess you could go, well, he could mean Molina. Um, yeah, that's kind of what I thought. I kind of thought. I just – I just, you know, I don't know. I – that surprised me. I recall there was a text sent into the radio show this morning um, that uh, was something along the lines of, well, it's great, but they still can't win NLCS with this outfield. Um, so I don't know. I don't know. But that, that, that surprised me. Mm-hmm. That really surprised me. And that excites me um, also. What has transpired, to give more of a macro view, over the last, I mean, since you and I were recording this a week ago, mm-hmm. um, QFTA with the Cardinals, from where they were at that time to where they are now is, for, for me, having observed the Cardinals as a fan, television reporter, anchor, and, and talk show host, going back you know, to 1982, it is the biggest switch of negativity from the fan base to positivity from the fan base that I can recall. Yeah. And, and I don't even know what would be in second place. Maybe somebody could cite something, but it's, it's unreal. Uh, you know, I wasn't even sure they would bring back Wainwright and Molina. I wasn't even sure they should bring back Wainwright and Molina because I wasn't even sure they would be a team that could compete for, a you know, take your pick of whatever championship. The Central certainly looking a little uh, dilapidated this year. Um, but then you bring Arnado into the picture, and it just changes the whole world. Yeah. Because C- not only is he an addition both defensively and offensively, there's an addition by subtraction that Matt Carpenter isn't out there. That's probably the biggest, for me at least, that's like such a huge element of that. Is you I mean, take that's, that... it's such a rally killer with him hitting a hard ground ball to the guy playing short right field and getting thrown out. I mean, it's, yeah. you know, or the Ks, arguing with the umpire, the frustration from the fan base. That's one of the things that I, now that I'm looking at it, I'm going, yeah, that was one of the reasons why I haven't enjoyed it as much because it's like, oh, here we go again. And minus like two months in 2018, this is kind of what you've had for a while now and it's just brutal and we're going to trot it back out there because they're playing the contract and you just so for the Cardinals to make this move from a baseball standpoint it certainly excites me period but one of the things that has been a drag has been the last five years or so a healthy portion of the fan base with the DeWallet thing and I, it was it was difficult because in a way it was like talking politics. I'm just like, well, that's not true. And here is the evidence, but it doesn't matter what I say. You've already made up your mind, and now you're just going to get angry with me. And if I would work for KMOX or Fox Sports Midwest, I'd get called a rights holder. But I was kind of a tough one to to go after in that sense because I'm not a rights holder, obviously. I was just telling people what I really thought. The one year that didn't make sense was after the 2019 season. I couldn't figure out why they didn't do anything there. But now, with this action, it makes me think they were trying to get something done, and it didn't happen. And maybe it was Arnado. That's what I kind of think. 
I, I, I don't know how often on the radio and on this podcast I said I was about to interview John Mazalock and I was flat out going to, you know, ask him both on the record and off the record, like, what's going on with the offense? You know, you, you, the offense was bad in 2019. Granted, it got to the NLCS, but kind of backdoor. And you lost your biggest offensive producer to free agency, and you didn't add anybody. Like, what's going on? I just don't get it. Tell me, tell me what I'm not seeing here. And I don't know what he would have said, but I have a feeling now, now, the, now that the cards have been turned over, that Arnado could have been the play then. Yeah. Um, because mm-hmm. Arnado was vocal about a year, 13 months ago, about wanting to get out of Colorado, which is not his style. So that's the thing. And I think the Cardinals also know that for their model, competing against whomever in free agency is something that they have fallen super short on. And there is a large enough track record there to go, free agency, that's not where we do our best work. We either come up short or we wind up overpaying because we have to because, you know, another market is in play and Dexter Fowler doesn't want to live in St. Louis and he'd rather live in the Bay Area or Toronto, and so we're going to throw next another year on and we get to witness that year this year. Um, or, you know, they almost allocated too many dollars for David Price, Jason Hayward, whatever. The model that has worked for the Cardinals, going back to 1997, but it really got going in 2000 with Daryl Kyle and Jim Edmonds, specifically Edmonds, is to bring a player in, let them get a chance to see it, fall in love with it, and stick around. That's the model that's worked. Trade with an organization that is looking to cut salary and what I would gather happened here, and I don't know if we'll ever know the answer, because Mazalak, even if it is just me and him, he still keeps it close to the vest, which I totally respect. And I don't think I'm ever going to get close enough with Nolan Arenado for him to start telling me exactly what happened. But my guess is, because you're sitting there going, and I don't feel like enough attention's been paid to this. Maybe it will. I don't know. But true, the Cardinals has got one of the best players in the game, and that, and the centerpiece of the deal was Austin Gomber, and they got money. I mean, yeah. this is fucking crazy seriously this is fucking crazy so what because so what happened and 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 unless i'm completely off the mark this is what i think happened arnado goes okay i'm you know i'm not i'm not gonna opt out he he stanton them <laughs> i'm not gonna opt out so i'll stay i'll stay that's fine. You guys can keep paying me. You know, story's up after this year. You know, he's leaving. Don't have the pitching. You're in a division with the Dodgers and the Padres. Keep paying me. You're losing money. You have uncertainty with the baseball's economy this year, beyond this year with the CBA. And I'm not happy, but I'll stay. Or you can trade me to the Cardinals. I'll go to the Cardinals. That's the one place I'll go. And you don't want to trade me inside the division. I'll go to the Cardinals. Otherwise, I have no idea why another organization couldn't have done. Sure, we'll take $50 million. <laughs> oh, and we've got to part with our, you know, above-average left-handed starter slash reliever and a couple of other prospects who aren't in the top five in the organization. Why wouldn't anybody else do that? And, and, and so that's, that's one of the things. But, I mean, I was, I was thinking about asking that in that Zoom press conference, but I'm like, it's, then I'm putting these guys on the spot, and I know I'm not going to get an answer. I, they can't answer that. Mm-hmm. They can't tell the truth. 15, even 10 years ago, I might have done it and gone, yeah, I'm going to get to the bottom of this. This is going to be a really good question. And then they'll come up and they'll come, well, we're not going to make those things public. And I don't know if I'll ever get the answer, but other, like, how did this happen? 
But that's the thing, because one of the questions here in this thread, um, and I'll read it exactly. You mentioned this morning, and this was posted yesterday, you mentioned this morning the players want to play for the St. Louis Cardinals. The BFIB mantra can be the brunt of jokes for many. Myself and many others poke fun at the 70-year-old women knitting a sweater during the game in the green seats to give stubby clap uh, after the final out. Uh, Oh, I guess giving the sweater to stubby clap after the final out. (laughs) Is that part of the fan base important for the success of the team? The DeWitts view the guy that stands in line for Lance Painter's autograph at the winter warm-up an important cog in the wheel, and are they really a big reason why players want to play for St. Louis? Hashtag RIP Rudy, since Rudy's pictured in some of these... uh, pictures in my thread on QFTA on the TMA fan page. Um, My answer to that is kind of yes, but the reason I say kind of yes is it's the attendance. And Bill DeWitt, to his credit, called attention to that in that Zoom press conference. He said, you know, I want to make sure I thank the fans because without the attendance we get, we wouldn't be able to make these kinds of moves. The television contract, as massive as it is, it's not massive, comparatively speaking, to the big, big market clubs. So the Cardinals draw so much revenue from attendance, a figure that's certainly uh, up in the air for 2021 and was nil for 2020, that the fan base does make it possible. But the BFIB thing, first off, I think we have to have a conversation on where the BFIB thing came from, because I think it's kind of taken on a life of its own. But what, what, is, what, does, what does happen here, and I would tie it to like a Green Bay is if you come to the Cardinals, and Jackson, you heard the same thing from Arnado as I did. How often did he say, I know we'll have a chance to win. I know they've been competitive. They've had 13 straight winning seasons. Competitive, win, chance to win. That's what it's about. And it's the same thing with the Packers. Yeah, if you line up Green Bay and L.A., you're taking L.A. all day long. Most people are. Mm-hmm. If you line up St. Louis and L.A. or New York, New York's not for everybody, or San Diego, whatever – you're, you're taking one of those all day long. Most are. Certain people aren't. But if you know, you know, I remember, and I was telling a friend of mine, one of the calls that I was on before we started the podcast, because he was asking, he goes, okay, uh, unrelated to what we were talking about, he goes, what's, tell me about this Arenado deal and what's going on. I said, you know, it's interesting. I remember Edmund saying something, I think he said it when we were doing our show, along the lines of, when I first started out in the game, all I cared about was staying up and making money. Which, of course, fans don't want to hear, but that's the way Edmonds operates. He kind of doesn't care, doesn't really have much of a filter. And, you know, it was an honest thing. But then once I've made the money, now I want to win. And then I cared more about the winning than the money. So Arenado at this point is good. He's got a quarter billion dollars. Either some of it's already in the bank or the rest of it's on its way. He's fine. You get to a point at 29 years old where you want to play games that mean something. And it wasn't going to happen in Colorado. And he's close with, super close with Matt Holliday, close with Paul Goldschmidt. Who else did he mention? Um, I mean, he mentioned Descalzo and Mark Reynolds, guys who played for the Rockies we played with. I know he's close with Yachty. Yeah, he mentioned Molina as well. I feel like he mentioned another one, but but certainly Goldschmidt and Holliday. You, you just know coming to St. Louis that they're going to try to win, mm-hmm. which is why. So if, if, if in, here's a guy who had never played here outside of as a visitor, he knows that, then why were we having this bout with the fan base as hosts of a radio show about the Cardinals trying to win? And on top of it, 
okay, even if you even if you disagree that they're trying to win, who in the game has had a better 20 years than the Cardinals since 2000? And that's why the, the conversation was very frustrating. The problem became I had no defense for what they did after the 2019 season. No, none. And that was frustrating, which is why I wanted to have an understanding from Zalek what went on, because I know there had to be a plan. I know there had to be a plan. Something mm-hmm. had to happen there. It just had to have. And then maybe I'll get the answer. Maybe I won't. And it does, at this point, does it really matter? But that, that was where I think you had some people who were kind of on the fence go, okay, fuck this. They don't care. And they're just counting on us to show up, and they don't care. And the evidence is to the contrary. If anything, the evidence is so to the contrary that they've spent money poorly on take your pick of whomever you'd want to line up. Um, you know, certainly Cecil is the creme de la creme. The Carpenter extension is is on my Mount Rushmore. Dexter Fowler. Um, what are some of the other ones? Action Jackson, Virgin Pringle, Sauce Boss. Uh, um, been a couple recently. Mike Leak is yeah. one. And then, you know, they, they were going to overpay for Hayward. They were going to overpay for yeah. David Price. So, you know... That was frustrating, and and listen, I want to I want to I want to be clear. It's not about it's not because it's, it's really not. And I told you so. I was confused this time last year. I, I mean, I made a bet with the Plowhawk, giving him ten to one on his money that the Cardinals would fill in, uh, uh, you know, uh, the Ozuna void. Well, there wasn't even a doubt in my mind, and I said you can bet up to a hundred dollars, meaning I was risking a thousand dollars. And fortunately, he just bet me ten. <laughs> uh, but that's how certain I was because yeah. they they always would. That's why last year confused the hell out of me. But listen, we had a full year of that offense. Uh, you had the pandemic adding to it, and then you come into the 2021 season with a bunch of money committed. I'm going even if they want to. They can't add on because they got to get Molina and Wainwright back from a emotional standpoint. That's going to piss off the fan base even more. And so they're just kind of stuck. And I understand them being stuck because you have the uncertainty of the pandemic. So all that's going to do is mean they're not going to add. And now the fan base is going to be even more pissed off. And that's why I kept saying the Cardinals are in a brutal spot. Brutal spot. And then they did this. Out of nowhere, man. I'm telling you. I don't know. You know, if the cat were on TMA, if he would have given me a little hint that this was going on, I don't know, He because he understands the, the program, and I understand the program. I don't, I don't put him on the spot. But I go, hey, are you hearing? I don't, because I don't want to put him in a weird spot. But, you know, clearly Matt Holiday had an idea. I decided that he was on Dan McLaughlin's radio show and, and said something, didn't say specifically with regard to Arnado, but that he thinks the Cardinals might be doing something. Holiday knew, Wainwright knew, I would imagine, of course, Molina knew. And they were able to keep it under wraps and get it done. And Mazalok said there were so many times over the course of the last two months that they thought they had it and then something would happen. I'd be curious what that is. Mm. Um I mean, the Rockies tweeted out a crying emoji to announce this trade. I mean, what what are they doing? I thought that was a fake Twitter account when I saw it last like night. Like a was, burner? Yeah. yeah like, like, just where's like, the blue check mark? Exactly. I mean, what are you doing? What are you doing? Yeah. But great for the Cardinals. It's so it's, – it's, you know, we talked about last week, Jackson, the Packers and the Buccaneers and the, the proverbial sure thing in the NFL and how uh-huh. it doesn't cover. Yeah. This is so over. This I'm drawing a parallel to that. That this is so overwhelmingly in that category, that I'm just like tempering my enthusiasm for it because I'm just like it's so strange that. And I'm not saying strange like from something must be wrong. That's not what I'm saying. It's just like you just don't see this anymore in the game. 
And that's why, and that's why I'm, I'm, I'm opening this up to those of you listening, because I'm looking for theories, and I'll enjoy reading them. Um, and I can include some, you know, by the way, when you send something in now and, and you don't ask for a specific response in writing, I just assume it's for QFTA. If you want a response in writing, I'm happy to uh, do it. Otherwise, I just set these aside in QFTA. What, how else could this have happened? And by that, I mean, how else did the Cardinals acquire, I think, the undisputed best third baseman in the game? Mm-hmm for a package that includes as the centerpiece Austin Gomber and they get money like how does that happen and the only explanation I have for it is Arenado said okay I'll go the only way I'm going though is if you trade me to St. Louis that's it yeah that's it because otherwise why wouldn't 28 other teams be standing in line yeah and I and I just don't feel like that's getting discussed enough because it's so unheard of at this point it would have been unheard of 20 years ago though and the cardinals were the beneficiaries then that you had whether it be the a's in 97 or the angels in 2000 or the phillies in 2002 or the rockies in 2004 uh or the a's again in 2009 when the cardinals will be able to diamondbacks after 2017 where the cardinals were able to 2018 able to get these guys in here because teams were like oh we're screwed Let's unload them before we lose them to free agency. That's what the, that's how the Cardinals made their bones. That's how they built these two decades of success, along with some really good drafts about 12 years ago. But uh, free agency has not been the pipeline of success. No, it is not. It has been, if anything, if, if they wouldn't even have messed with it, they'd even, they'd even have a better two decades. Yeah. So... I don't know. I, I'm really curious because I, you know, I was theorizing. You know, as I said, my family's, my wife's family's living down here with us, and my father-in-law is a huge Cardinal fan. And we were talking about it, and I'm like, I wonder if Molina and Wainwright said, "Yeah, we'll come back," but the only way we're coming back is if you make this move. But clearly, they've been talking about it since December. Yeah. Um, the relief, the enthusiasm from John Mazzella, like that's not the way he has operated lately. Usually, it is. I, I mean, I get what he's doing because it's. It's, I think he's kind of like it's like when Derek Gould comes on the radio show and people are like, "What the hell is he doing?" He's talking down to you guys. That's he's trying to play ball, but it might not come off the right way. Gould's a wonderful it's, guy, he, and I know he is. But I know that some of the audience get irritated because they think that he's talking down to me or talking down to Doug. And yeah. They probably get off when he's talking down to me, but they don't like <laughs> when they talk to Doug. And then Mazel, but Mazelak's being a smartass, you know. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't come off all the time the right way. No. Uh, even though I know what he's doing, like the Are You Not Entertained, that was a smart-ass thing. I mean, so, you know, th- this to me, because, you know, at this point, Bill DeWitt is, I don't know how old Bill DeWitt is. Bill DeWitt is in his 25th, 26th year of owning this franchise. He's got two world championships, four pennants, numerous NLCS appearances, a bunch of Central Division titles. It has been without question the most successful sports ownership of a franchise in the city's history and i don't even know what you could put in second place i know it might be blasphemous to not include uh augie bush because he was a beloved figure but i think what this does is is it puts a bow on that discussion of the dewallet shit Mm -hmm. and it and and that makes me happy just because it wasn't true yeah totally was not true talk all day long about the lack of proper evaluation of talent that that is absolutely yeah that's valid uh, that's got merit but the dewallet thing i'm just like and 
but it's but it's a clickbait. It gets people talking. It gets people calling in. It gets people angry. You can't go wrong with that. Oh, he bought a house in you know L.A. for whatever the hell he <laughs> bought it for, which is the equivalent of you know me spending like a thousand dollars, him spending seven million dollars. I mean, it just. And it, and it went on top of it. It was like a year old story. It was just like people are looking for shit. Yeah. And it was really unfortunate. But the thing is, they didn't do themselves any favors by whatever they did after 2019. Um, and I couldn't explain that for the life of me. And on top of it, the 2020 team was was a crappy team. But th- at the same time, the 2020 team spent like two weeks in a hotel. Yeah. So it was just that was an that was an outlier. So anyway, uh, you're getting more than you paid for, uh, David and uh, John. I don't know if you want your full names read, uh, but uh, good questions on Arnado. Let me go to another one. Uh, Timmy recap, superstar asker of questions, breaker of chains <laughs> on QFTA. Jackson, you are new blood, so I'm going to let you answer this first, although I realize some of it you won't be able to answer, but you, you're a listener of the show for a long time before becoming producer. Uh, Timmy Recaps writes, TMA is an anomaly. There is a self-deprecating joke that you guys often repeat about the pre-show meetings, which is a burn on the show itself as being an off-the-cuff presentation that works best when it's done organically without scripts and scheduling. To the uninitiated of TMA... It could almost come across as if you, those involved with TMA, don't care about the product, a la the let it be awful mantra. If one were to listen in for the first time, much of the show could come across as amateurish due to malfunctioning hardware, producer effort, I mean Uh. that with all due respect, (laughs) and whatever other problems you guys run into. Through the loyal listener, or though the loyal listeners know that not to be true, does this ever cause obstacles with future investors, sponsors, partnerships, or any other current or future business verticals related to the TMA brand itself or you? For someone who seems to be a bit OCD and neurotic, uh, does the lack of show preparation ever bother you personally? Have you ever heard of local industry insiders being jealous and or angered at the success of TMA despite its rough edges, daily hijinks, and lack of sophistication in show prep? It's a wonderful question. Yeah, it's a, that's a really good one. And it's, it's kind of hitting – it's hitting like a million things on the head, by yeah. the way. Uh, Action Jackson, you take it however you want to take it, bro. Yeah, I can only answer a, a certain amount from like working on the show, but I can also answer some of it from a, uh, a listener perspective. From working on the show uh, – uh, you know, we joke about the show prep thing. I do get here pretty early, and I know Plowboy used to get here real early. So there is, even though it's, like, far from rocket science, there is a slight amount of show prep that goes into it just to make sure we get everything we need to get done, done. Um, but from a listener's standpoint, the whole non-scripted, as some say, let it be awful, is the reason why I listened for so many years because it's a new thing every day. It's not, okay, I saw this game happen. I saw this game happen. I can predict almost word for word what's going to happen on the show tomorrow. It's okay. The blues and Mizzou and someone else played, but they might talk about golf or they might talk about something totally nonsensical to what's going on in the sports world. And that's kind of, it kind of kept me on my toes. Like you never know really what's going to be talked about. And that always brought me back day after day after day for, six seven years um and as for other people in the industry i can't speak on that because i don't hear anything because i've just started here really and nor am i really listening but um i believe that what makes the show to some seem amateurish 
is really the the science and the art behind it. Yeah, you, you hit a lot of that on, on the head there. Um, I found this, because I know I said this a lot throughout 2020, um, and I don't know why this has come to fruition. Um, maybe it took January 6th to happen for it to happen. But I know I said in 2020 this has been, and it, and it has been, 2007 was brutal. As far, and you got to really be like dialed into the show's history. But as it turns out, a lot of people are, so they, they can kind of go back and go, oh, yeah, 2007, that's when this happened. Last year was easily, easily the most difficult year for me personally. I don't know how the listeners felt about it. Um, doing the show. And I'm not necessarily talking about the show, although the, the show from 7 to 10 certainly is a part of it. It, it. Sometimes it's off the air stuff and you just have to kind of compartmentalize it and then do the show. The show was a part of it. It was a big part of it, too. It wasn't just like a, you know, 10%. It was, it was damn near 50% of it. And then the other stuff is stuff that's off the air. Um, and to not lose my mind on the air, or off the air for that matter, I guess, um, that's something that I'm proud of, uh, personally, for us as, as a show, because um, that that's not easy, and only the people involved, you know, understand. Um, and uh, and and so the the part of it with the show itself was brutal because um, the election, the pandemic, um, the George Floyd's social unrest byproduct that led to incredibly tense discussions. Then you actually have the election arrive. Then you have that stuff going on. And it, and it real and it just, I mean, I'm so worn down and I'm sitting exactly where I am now, Jackson, you know, nearly a month after that. And that, you know, that morning doing that show, January 7th, and how brutal it was. I remember I went to dinner with my wife, and I guess it's a month removed now, and I was like, I think I might be done, you know. I mean, I know my contract's up at the end of the year, and I can I can finish that off, or I can, uh, you know, however I can work it out just to, to move on. But I just, I'm, I can't do this anymore. I can't, I can't keep banging my head into a wall and knowing that, knowing that I'm operating honorably, but being accused of operating dishonorably, it's, it's just, it's, it's worn me down. And, um, you know, and it wasn't like we had some big conversation amongst us at all. I mean, it was a fucking text chain, you know, with like five texts. It wasn't even a big deal. I mean, you were in it, Jackson, uh-huh. but it's like, I think at this point it's time to leave the politics alone, you know, yeah. like even Iggy, like with the random drop-ins of, you know, oh, yeah, I said this about Trump. It's like, okay, stop. You I know, thought 98 was going to get fired up today. About politics? When he talked about the inauguration being on TV. Oh. <laughs> I was like, uh-oh. I have to pull the uh, I No, pull the I, 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 I didn't see that one coming. So, <laughs> uh, And I, I just think it, that's made the show better. Mm-hmm. It's just, it just, I don't know. I have a sense of, and I have, I, I, whereas, and it's the truth, man. And I don't want to overstate this. Like I was on the verge of leaving or anything like that. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, I was really... G- the January 7th show was an absolute low point for me personally. I'm not saying that it really bothered Doug, because it doesn't actually. That, If anything, it's another thing I admire about Doug. Couldn't fucking care any less. Couldn't fucking care any less. Um, it just, I was like, okay, it's enough. You know, there's been enough written about me that's, that's, that's false. Um, 
that that's worn me out and I can't really say anything. I, mean, I can, but then there are ramifications. Uh, and now I'm, my character is being called into question because of, you know, take your pick of whatever thing. And I'm just like, I, this is just, it's just not, it's just not, I don't need, and I'm not, when I say I don't need it, it's not that I, I don't need it like I'm above it. I love it. I fucking love it. It's just, it's not how, I'm, I don't live for, some people like need to be on television, for example. I obviously don't. I left it. I don't want it. And I don't need to be on the radio. I don't feel like the world needs to hear what I have to say. So I don't really care. And, and, and by that, I mean, if, if like my, if in a month I'm not doing a radio show or a podcast, I'm like, okay, fine. You know, that, that's just how I am. It's not like I go, God, I can't, I need to get back on television. That was my whole thing. I don't care. So if the juice isn't worth the squeeze, then that's where I come out on it, and it's an easy thing. I don't want to be one of these guys just holding on just because I have nothing else that I can do or want to do or don't or know how to do, uh, and you're miserable. And, and so I'm aware of that because you kind of look at some of these situations and you go, oh, I see what kind of happens. i got to make sure I don't let that happen. And that was a real low point. And so what happened after that show um, we're going for it. I said, you know what, let's leave the politics aside. And everybody adhered to it. And it was just a, it was a, you know, just a, and listen, if somebody wanted to, they have every right to, I don't own the station. It's not my call, but it was just like a gentleman's agreement. There's just nothing. What are we going to get out of it? It's not going to go anywhere. It's not going to be good radio. It's going to piss people off. And on top of it, it's really not what we do. Um, I certainly will talk about it here, but um, on the radio show, no. And so for the last, it's been nearly a month, I have looked forward to doing the show more so than I have and I don't know how long. I mean a while. Um, a good long while. Like, shit, probably going back along. I mean, 2019, because 2020 was so rough. Um, and, uh, and Jackson, you were pulling audio as... Uh, and... and, and I knew that Pete and I were talking about it. I didn't realize. I actually said, okay, it's February 5th, 2020. So damn near to the day a year ago. And I started talking about how all, all hell is going to break loose. Yeah, that was... <laughs> I, didn't, I, I knew, I thought that we had talked about it in February. And I talked about, and here's the reason. And I laid out the reason. And now I've heard the audio. I'm like, holy shit. You know, and, and somebody was listening to that audio. And they go, what in the world? That's like a Nostradamus thing. I said, I don't really think it was. I just think it was looking at the landscape and going, it's kind of obvious. Donald Trump will not acknowledge that he lost. So you know he's going to say bullshit because that's what he does. And then, therefore, the people who love him will believe it. And so you're going to have all hell break loose. Or there will be people who hate him, who can't accept that he won a second term, which certainly, as of February 5th, 2020, looked way more than likely than him losing. And they're going to be convinced something was wrong, and they're going to cause bullshit. So therefore, winter was coming. And that was pre-pandemic, pre-George Floyd. And obviously, pre-January 6th, 2021. So I don't really feel like it was a great read. But the reason why I bring it up is that's February 5th, and that was the undercurrent of the entire year of the show. So that was really, and it almost lasted a full year. It lasted 11 months. It's brutal, man. And I'm not saying it's in the rearview mirror because who knows what could happen. You know, you got an impeachment trial coming up. Um, who knows? I don't know. But as of this moment, for the last month approximately, I have enjoyed it so much. And one of the things I enjoy so much is what probably the, the audience enjoys so much 
that, that Jackson, you just made reference to, and that is, I don't know where it's going to go. But I love that. I also love that I don't, like, for example, today is Tuesday. The Arenado trade became official last night, approximately 8 or 9 o'clock. Um, but on Monday's show, there were so many sports topics that I found myself not really enjoying that show as much because I felt like we had to do things. And when I feel like we have to talk about things, I'm not saying that's wrong. I'm saying that's probably, you know, for 99% of radio shows, that's the, the operation. And I get it. It probably should be the operation. But for us, it's like a, it's like, it's like a, it, even though it's, it's a moron festival, it's like a brain expansive device of this just randomness. And it's like a high. It's a high to participate in it. It's a high to see other people as active as it is. I mean, our text inbox is constant with the number of people listening to this thing and uh-huh. interacting. Yeah. It's an absolute high because it's like we're all experiencing this batshit trip of randomness and really good-natured randomness together. Yep. And that's the thing that I absolutely love. The let it be awful thing that Timmy Recap cited was 2013 when um, Dan Marshall came in. He was doing the man and woman thing, and you know the history on that is you know closed. But <laughs> uh, he had a choice of paying me a huge amount of money. I can't believe I look back on this. I can't believe it was in my contract. It'd be a huge amount of money now, um, or um, I think we had to be on the air for 120 days. And so, I mean, what a deal. Whoever <laughs> negotiated that, I really don't know. It wasn't me. But I, at the same time, the, the person I work with now wasn't working with me then, I don't think. So I don't know who did that. But either way, I'm very grateful for it uh, because we were able to use that time to build up our new thing, which became CBS Sports 920. And during that time, he was trying to get me, he was trying to tilt me while I was on the air. So he'd send me emails or texts to try to piss me off while I was on the air so I would lose my shit, and then that way he could say, oh, he breached his contract, uh, He's he's got to go you know, sooner, and now I can put Bubba the Love Sponge on sooner, which sounds like a joke that I'm even saying <laughs> that, but that's what was really going on. And so we just were kind of like, you know what, why are we even fucking sweating? You know, we do what we do, and what we do is we just fuck off, so just let's let it be awful. Who gives a shit? You know, my work is at 10.01 every day when I'm building up our new thing and hiring people and so on and so forth and doing a deal with a radio station, so... Let it be awful. And that that's, I think, when I kind of discovered the forced guest thing isn't really my type of thing. I love it for the podcast. wasn't doing a podcast then, but that's what I love, but not not for the radio show. And I think we kind of got even more comfort, comfortable with, like, using the force, so to speak, with the radio show and just flying. So, Timmy Recaps, you make, um, well, you asked the question, though the loyal listeners know that not to be true regarding effort, does this ever cause obstacles with future investors, sponsors, partnerships, or any other current or future business verticals related to the TMA brand itself or you? Uh, the answer is absolutely not. Um, just like, like, period, not. Um, I, I'd love to elaborate on and get into sp- some specifics, which would, I guess, theoretically, I could be making it up, but I'd like to think people know I'm not making it up as to how... Um, I can lay out that that is absolutely not the case, but um, it's just not the case. There is, um, 
you know, I don't know, I guess no shortage of people who um, are interested in investing in uh, what we do. Um, and uh, sponsors, you hear the same ones and new ones, uh, you know, as this thing continues in its uh, 17th year. And um, partnerships uh, or any other current or future business verticals related to it. No, it's just, it's just not there. And I think at the root of it is that word I said earlier, good-natured. Mm. I think that people can tell that even though it is, for lack of a better word, dumb, it's good-natured dumb. Yeah. You know, oftentimes radio, I guess even podcasting, and certainly social media, it can have a tinge of mean-spiritedness or passive-aggressiveness but all of us are exposed to some form of, you know, catching hell and, and taking shots, whether it be Doug taking a shot or people like, you know, hitting on him, you know, Jackson with the virgin thing, Iggy with the creep thing, me with the asshole short thing, uh, blame thing, um, you know, Rocky getting pegged thing. Everybody, <laughs> yeah. everybody is... You know, the cat was a rights holder, the plowhawk was stoned, and, you know, every time he gave an opinion, it wound up being wrong. You know, a month cuck. later, it was, that, it, it's just, it's part of the deal. Nobody is safe. And the audience understands you can be safe on the sidelines if you enter the arena, then know that you're probably going to be attacked as well. So it's like a roast every day. Yep. Um, and then he asked the question, for someone who seems to be a bit OCD and neurotic, does the lack of show preparation ever bother you personally? And that actually, it's a case-by-case thing. Nine out of ten times, no. But in a night like last night, um, for those of you who didn't skip ahead, uh, you heard me at the beginning say I didn't sleep, and then it's on my mind. I'm like, I want to do, you know, I know the show's going to be a big show because of the Arnado thing, and I'm not getting enough sleep, and I have to do the podcast, and I'm not going to be on, and then it starts replaying in my head. But once it starts, and if I just let go of the, the controls, so to speak, we find our way home every time. And at this point, I just, I mean, it's like, you know, I don't know how many shows it's been, 17 times 300 approximately, I mean, you know, at this point, we kind of know what, you know, what we're doing, but still sometimes it'll get in my head. Um, and and it, it really does come down to this, at this 5,100 shows approximately, my God. <laughs> um, you know, as long as we have, you know, the core people, it's just going to be fine. I mean, it's, and I don't mean fine, like it'll be fine, like it will be fine, like it doesn't need to have you know, some kind of plan. And I don't really want it to. Just like this podcast. I had no idea what we were going to talk about. I didn't know I'd spend a half hour Nolan Arenado and, and whatever we're talking about now. But uh, this is this is just the way that I personally like to operate, which is why it will be, you know, or would be difficult for me to go to a spot where I am, you know, limited to 12-minute segments because this is how I operate. Um, and so... Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. I'm incredibly grateful that these forums, platforms exist to do this style of broadcasting. It is, I think, another thing, and I didn't really thought about it until just now, the let it be awful thing also kind of tied into what time, the time where we took control of our own station, even though we didn't own 920. And so nobody was sitting there going, hey, you got a break, you know, even for one break. We could just go. And that's what I grew up listening to with Stern. I just want to go. 
And I also, this thing with hard breaks, if we're not subscribing to a rating surface, it just doesn't matter. So we do all of these spots inside the show, like a podcast. We're already doing it. And so going, oh, it's 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 7.58.30. You've got to get out for the, the traffic and weather. And, you know, we don't have to do that shit. It's just bad radio, you know? I mean, from my standpoint, it is. It's because it's not organic. And I think our thing comes off as authentic because it's, it, we arrive at whatever topic we arrive at organically. It's not like, all right, Doug, you take this stance. I'll take this stance. You know Doug thinks the shit he thinks. You know I think the shit I think. Yep. So I think that authenticity is what resonates with the audience, and that's why it continues to grow. As far as anybody inside the business, I don't know. I, I think I, I watched Nolan Arenado handle the questions about his time in Colorado, and I'm like, there's a pro. For real. You know? Yeah. Uh, it, like he's just like he goes, I'm not there anymore. I wish them the best. I had a good time, you know. And clearly, he fucking hated it and went out <laughs> with all of us. But he just like, you know, I mean, that, and that's how I want to handle that. But I, but, but in reality, I think maybe at the beginning of this thing that might have gone on, I'm sure it goes on to an extent. To an extent, I don't even really. Well, I guess I can think of, you know. But I'm certainly not going to name the people who I think have it. Um, and I, and 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 when I say I don't care, I think you'd probably. No, I don't care. It just doesn't matter. It's like, okay, I'm sorry we can do this. Should we, should we prep because we, you know, because you have to? And then you're going to worry about that? Like, I don't worry if somebody does prep. I just don't care. It just doesn't matter to me. We do our thing. I think at this point, um, it's been on so long, and it's in its own world, and it's its own thing. It doesn't matter where it's broadcast. It's got its audience and its sponsors, and it that – you know, if it's over, it's and by that I mean, you know, even even if even if it's over, even if today was our last show ever, it goes down as an incredible success as a 17-year show with essentially damn near the exact same cast from when it started. You know, as far as the hosts go, um, you know, certainly there were changes and unfortunate instances here and there, um, but. You know, when it's all said and done, I still view the cat as a part of this show. Uh, I still view the plowhawk as a part of this show. I don't speak of them, in my mind anyway, past tense. Who knows what will end up happening, but that's how I, I view it. Um, and so, you know, I, I think at this point it's kind of like... And I, I think, if anything, it, it, for some people coming up who are younger, they look at it as a thing that they would like to try to um, do. You know, that, that yeah, I want to do what those guys did which was clearly just have a good time and you know looked forward to working with each other so it's a great question yeah um because it really does go into a lot of details on it but yeah the 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 seven to ten man with the exception of five months in 2007 and most of 2020 even though it was never like horrible in 2020 it just kind of had this undercurrent yeah seven to ten has just been um, I mean, just an incredible, I mean, to think that it's essentially half my life and, you know, 75% of my, more than that, 85, 90% of my professional life has been spent on the radio from seven to 10 laughing with people I like and respect. You, I mean, how can you not just be in my hometown, just have this incredible amount of gratitude. That's just, it's, you're so fortunate, man. I mean, I just can't begin to uh and you now you jackson you get it i mean i know you listen but now you get a chance to i guess you don't see it because we're all in different places but 
um, you know, you're a part of it now, and so you see that what you hear on the radio is is a real thing. You know, it's people who get along and legitimately like each other, respect each other, and and are comfortable enough with each other to give each other shit. It's kind of exactly what I think a lot of people would like to to have in their work environment, whether it's in radio or otherwise. Yeah, it's my favorite three hours of the day every day. I just hit the space bar to record, and the rest is just uh, a bunch of guys talking shit on each other and some texters talking even more shit. And then it, uh, <laughs> you read a couple sponsor ad reads, read some really, really, really dumb emails, and that's... Uh, that's a way to. You're seeing these emails I'm not seeing because by the time I get there, you've deleted them. But apparently, how many are actually are you saving of the like fifty percent? I mean, there's less? like guys who like I know will send in something quality and that can get read. A couple of the guys are fringe. Adam from Lima being the prime example <laughs> today. But uh, some guys are like guarantees. It's like okay, Carlos Spice, you sent his in. Probably don't have to read it. Uh, other guys, it's like. The formatting is weird and I don't, I just, it's, or like they try to make like a sexual joke that's been done 8,000 times. It's like, okay, got it. So I would say like 50, 60, sometimes 75% of the emails that get sent in are read. Um, and then some are like just blatant attacks on things that you can't attack. So those get deleted pretty quickly. And others are like so vile that like I, I feel like I need to <laughs> wash my eyes out with bleach or they have a picture that's so vile that I can't even like like that's like geez well, you're doing a wonderful job filtering that's an important uh, role Thank gangster you. Pete ran into an issue one time and ever since we've had a we've had a filter I don't know if he shared that story with you but he told a, me about uh, it <laughs> yeah yeah it's a good one to know um let's see what else do we have on the fan page uh did you have thoughts of doing a Facebook live after the trade news broke, would have loved to listen real time as the news was spreading. Uh, that comes from Craig on the fan page. Um, honest answer is no. The reason for it is twofold. When Friday night rolls around, Jackson, I hope you're not there yet. You <laughs> shouldn't be close to it yet. <laughs> but this happens, um, and maybe it usually happens for people earlier, especially if they have kids earlier. By Friday night, I, I, like Anna Marie and I will joke, We'll be like, can we make it to 10.30? Can we make it to 10.30? Can we stay up to 10.30? Whereas it used to be we don't go out until 10.30 or 11. Mm -hmm. It's just, you're just, well, not you're, I am, my wife is, we are just dead. So um, just no energy. And I think this was finalized. Well, it wasn't even finalized until last night, but it, it, you know, was confirmed by Ken Rosenthal on Friday night. Like nine o'clock um, central, so like ten o'clock yeah. where you are. Yeah, and I mean, I'm just I'm on I'm on fumes. I'm like, mm -hmm. I just in passing, I said to my wife, she was sitting there, oh, the Arnado thing happened. You know, <laughs> that's, where <laughs> I, that's where I was. Whereas I saw people on social media, like they were ready to just like have orgies. Uh, so I would have been very poor at that. The other thing that I think is important for me, it's important, and I think it's important for others as well. I don't think this is I'm at some higher standard, um, and that is. Up until last night, you didn't have the details, the real details. So it would have been speculative. And so I saw, like, some people asking, you know, questions, polls, whatever, on social media. Do you approve the trade? And this was before the details. It's like, well, you don't know what the deal is. You know, you don't know the players involved. You don't know the money involved. You don't know the opt-out situation. You know, so it's like, 
this is exciting. It's certainly exciting. It's a tough thing to do because I know that's the game now, and I talked about that. Like if I felt an obligation any time news broke to grab my phone and give out a take, that's not the way I want to live. Um, I also know that is the way that it, it, I, I'm not even say it's going. It is. It has gone that way, um, especially for like the bigger people who are take smiths in our industry at a, at a national level. Um, you know, Colin Cowherd, uh, Stephen A. Smith, who else pops up and gives out takes, you know? So I understand it's just not, that it's not, I, I for the, for the, for this one specifically, if what we got last night with the details and if it would have happened Friday at like five o'clock or almost any other time other than when it happened, actually, I could have seen myself doing it. But I was just so, I mean, I know this is really specific, but I personally was so fried as I am every Friday night at 10 o'clock. Um, and it wasn't that the details weren't final, mm-hmm. that it, I just wouldn't have done it. I get people asking about it, but it wasn't final. And, you know, there were some people who were thinking it might not happen. I'm not saying people on the inside. I'm saying just fans were going, well, how come this hasn't gotten done? You think this thing's going to fall through? But you, Rosenthal said this might not get done over the weekend because there are a lot of moving parts. So that would have been a tough thing if that were like, if I like worked for a company and they expected me to do that. I'd, you know, you have to build in a bunch of hypotheticals. If this is true, if this is, you know, this is a huge thing. But even then it's like, okay, well, then two days later it falls through and it's like, okay, we did this whole show and we're getting all excited and now you're going, you know, you got to be responsible to what is the truth and what you know. Um, CYA, we were taught that at the Missouri Journalism School. Cover your ass. All right. Um, I want to make sure I go to, we have a bunch of emails as well. How long have we been broadcasting, uh, podcasting, Action Jackson? An hour and eight minutes. <laughs> unreal all right i'm going to try to limit it to 90 minutes we'll see how that we'll see how that goes jim rogers restoration one of central st louis.com wonderful people and somebody who has worked on my home and somebody therefore i recommend to our audience and don't think twice restoration one of central st louis.com 314-888-5266 that's 314-888-5266 uh, COVID disinfecting of businesses, schools, and organizations of all sizes. They've disinfected hundreds of popular businesses, both locally and throughout Missouri and Illinois. Their services at Restoration One include water damage assessment and drought of your home, moisture assessment using thermal imaging, sewer backup cleanup, mold remediation, fire and smoke damage, cigarette and pet odor elimination, storm damage, board up and tarping of roofs, free assessments. It's Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com, 314-888-5266, the great Jim Rogers, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com. I would also like to tell our audience about Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Get yourself a financial advisor. Now, I'm doing a spot for Mark Hanna. My preference is you do business with Mark Hanna at Evergreen Wealth Strategies. However, I think even Mark would say, it's like those commercials where if you don't do business with us, please make sure you do business with I think even Mark would say this is so important, and it's one of those things that until you get to a certain point in your life, you don't realize it. But if you can do it before you get to that point, you'll be so far ahead of the game, so far ahead of the game, so far ahead of the game. Just somebody who goes, okay, yeah, set aside this much. Oh, 401k, well, you can be doing this. Oh, for tax purposes, you ought to do this. 
evergreenstl.com. He's a really good guy. He's just a really good guy. Um, and he, he works with everyday people every day. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies. And finally, Seth Goldcamp, Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com. Uh, Action Jackson, um, when people ask me, like, I, if I'm on the phone with somebody, like, oh, how's the weather down there? And I, I, I don't want to say anything. So I'm like, oh, it's one of those <laughs> things where people get pissed off. Yeah. You know, it's a no-win. Even just talking about the fact that I'm here, I know it will hate <laughs> fucking me. But I'm looking at the forecast in St. Louis, and I see the low is in single digits every day starting on Saturday. A low of 5, 1, 9, 9, 7, and 9. Yeah. The reason I bring it up is you, I hope the furnace is working. If it's not, Design Air Heating and Cooling online at designairservice.com. Yeah, it's cold. <laughs> it's cold here. If you don't have your furnace working, please, for the safety of you and your family, call Design Air and get that fixed. Designairservice.com. You're exactly right. Yeah, the, we've had the hawk down here. Yeah. To the point that um, you can't even be outside. I mean, you can be outside, but it's, you know, as far as being outside, it's like dangerous. Things are getting blown over. It just yeah. it happens. This is like when they have these golf tournaments around here, and if the, it times out when you just have these Florida winter winds, it's just absurd. I don't even, it's, it's yeah. brutal. And you cannot, I mean, if you want to do, you, you can play, but you know, it's a one time you can hit a drive 350 yards and then you, <laughs> next hole you're hitting at about 110. It's absolute bat shit. And, and yet I'm looking outside Jackson and it's 100% blue sky, it's 69 degrees, 61 degrees, a little cooler than normal. Um, but uh, yeah, the Hawk is aggressive, but I know that it's like I was talking to, I don't know who I was talking to. She goes, "Oh, how's how's the weather down there?" And I go, "Well, I mean, it's you know, it's 72 degrees and it's sunny." She goes, "Oh God!" And I go, "Well, you asked. I mean, <laughs> what am I supposed to do in that spot?" Yeah, when I lived in Florida for a year, when I was going to school down there, uh, it would be like the summer, and I was bitching. It would be 98 degrees the second the sun hit the earth, and then one day in like October, November, it just flipped, and it was like brisk outside in the morning, and for Four or five months, it was the best weather I'd ever been in in my entire life. It's just, I can't, I I hope it does, I, I guess I can't control it anyway. And as, uh, to me, uh, Recaps pointed out, I'm so fucked in the head that I have all these disclaimers on everything. So whatever, if you don't like it, you don't like it. It's certainly not a brag. Um, I really would love for people to be able to experience this. You, you know it because you live down here, you know, this time of year. Around, you know four in the afternoon until the sun sets at this time of year is paradise yeah. it is it is the weather that you would picture if there is an afterlife yep and there's a heaven it is it's perfect it is there's not you know usually not when there are days like today and yesterday that are exceptions but and it's just like 75 ish degrees no humidity you know, there are a lot of the olds down here, and so they might be at dinner, and I am just me and my... I mean, I'm telling I go out on, on the golf course, and it's me and my son, and he's just hitting balls everywhere, or we go fishing, and I'm just like, this is... There isn't anything in the... I just feel, again, it's all about gratitude. I feel so grateful yeah. to be able to do this, mm -hmm. you know? I really... I'm not talking about from a financial standpoint. I'm just talking about to have, to first off, to have a son, um, a child, 
and uh, and then secondly, to just have this experience, it's just beautiful. And, yeah. and, and the thing is, the thing, the risk of it is though, once you do it, you'll be like, back. we got how in the fuck can we <laughs> sit there in the gray, and the rain and the cold, for five months? You know, mm-hmm. that's the that's the that's the that's the cost. <laughs> that's the long term cost of it. Yeah. Um, but man, with people working remotely now. And the game, the game changed. has changed. Yeah. It really, really has. Um, all right. So this guy, I, he really wants us to answer this question, and I feel badly because I know I, I, he's written in the show before. It's just long, and I've already gone, what, at this point, probably an hour and 20 minutes. But he's sincere, and I think he's a good guy, so I'm going to do it. All right, here we go. And I'm, that's a terrible way to read the question because now <laughs> the audience is like, oh, that's a shitty question, Tim. Fuck you. But I'll read it. Maybe we get somewhere with it. Tim and Pringle. Sending this in again with less fat. I mean, he really wants it. (laughs) All right. Hope all is well. With Biden now officially in office, there appears to be some restrictions lifted in some of the more Democratic cities. I mean, so that's why, you know. (laughs) I live in Chicago. Right before the inauguration, this article below came out in which Mayor Lori Lightfoot is now pushing for restaurants to be open despite the COVID levels being higher than the guidelines for reopening. Lori's change of heart certainly struck me as all too convenient as nothing has changed dramatically from a statistical perspective, if at all, in Chicago. While I am happy more restaurants are open, it would be extremely upsetting to find out the politicians were keeping restaurants and other small businesses down to appear to be taking some sort of action while keeping Trump's economy down to help secure the election. Knowing it is impossible to get a true answer, do you believe this to be the case? Of course, I could be missing something, but I haven't seen a strong argument for opening businesses up from a data standpoint. I don't believe all politicians are bad. I think many of them, if not most, start off with good intentions. While politicians should be held accountable for what they voted for, oftentimes a perceived negative item that a politician supports is in a bill of 1,000-plus items. Similarly, maybe politicians felt the best outcome for the American people was to ensure Trump did not get reelected. If some businesses end up being the casualties, it's still for the best outcome. We will never fully know. I did listen to Tulsi Gabbard on Joe Rogan recently, and it does sound like the negative side of politics we as citizens speculate about certainly goes on. Josh Hawley and Eric Greitens appeared to be in politics for the wrong reasons, as you've cited. I think both Nancy Pelosi and Mitch McConnell often act in ways that seem almost too obviously self-serving, example being the appointing of the judge after the passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Maybe hearing this, the Joe Rogan Experience podcast around the time of the Lightfoot article was just a coincidence. Still, given how early we are in the vaccine, it seems like some of the restaurant and small business restrictions were more about getting Trump out than actually helping the population. If you Google restrictions lifted after the inauguration, unsurprisingly, articles from Fox, Outkick, uh, etc. come up, which doesn't really help my observation as it fits the rights narrative. I'm looking mostly at local articles and COVID data. For the record, I think the numbers today are down in Chicago, but we are not, but we're not at the time of the article, which is outlined in the article. To throw out some disclaimers, I did not vote for either presidential candidate the past two elections, as I thought all four were no good. I did vote on the other issues I felt comfortably informed on. I also don't think Trump handled COVID all too well. Sorry for the long email. It's a salt and the dark butter. So uh, I appreciate it, and it was a sincere email, and, I, and he wrote it a couple of times, so I know he wanted us to discuss it. Um, I will field this one, uh, Action Jackson, uh, out of the gate. Yeah, take it away. Um, I, I, it would, does it surprise me? Not at all. Uh, Lori Lightfoot does not really inspire me. Um, in any way, I'm not impressed. 
I can't, you know, I certainly observing Josh Hawley well before he became, you know, a, a, you know, a huge name in American politics. I was quite hip to him uh, from the local perspective uh, for the last few years. Uh, now I realize everybody has an opinion on him, but, you know, this this goes back a few years on Hawley and Greitens. So Lightfoot is somebody who is new and inconsistencies. That doesn't surprise me. It, it, that's the thing. I mean, and I appreciate what you said, uh, salt in the duck butter. I don't believe all politicians are bad, and that's where I am. But I certainly think some, I, yeah, I mean, some of the crap that goes on, um, you know, as I said a couple of weeks ago, which pissed off some people on the left, which is I'm, I'm not on board with the impeachment. In principle, I'm on board with the impeachment. In principle, I am. But the man was about to be out of office in a week, and I'm just like, you know, and I said I worry about it now. It hasn't. As Jackson and I are recording this, it hasn't started yet, and I don't know what the hell is going to happen. I just, I really don't. You feel? I know I'm go- kind of going off topic. Imagine mm-hmm. that, but don't, don't you feel like okay? It's kind of, it's over. He's, you know, down here probably bitching about the wind like I am. <laughs> you know, I mean, why? I just. Yeah, I just don't. I think that it's for sure over, and if you're still kind of harping on it you're running out of things to harp on, so you're kind of picking and digging at whatever you can reach. I, I, I theorized last week, and I haven't, and I, you know, I do, I bounce around from my uh, newspapers uh, online, and I haven't seen it written. My theory on it is the Democrats know he's not going to be convicted, but they want the spectacle, and they want these Republican senators to have to vote and therefore use it to their advantage in 22, 24, and 26. That's what I think is going on. I could be wrong. This is solely my opinion. I haven't heard this. This isn't something that I saw. Take your pick of whomever opinion shaper in politics say, because otherwise I don't get it, and and I really would rather it not go on. But the reason I, I, I cite that with... Um, with uh, the Sultan of Duck Butter, I almost read his name, uh, <laughs> email is because I felt like this was personal for Pelosi, which was our alliteration festival a couple of weeks ago. Uh-huh. Um, and and I understand that, but I would rather see the greater good in principle adhered to. And of course, as somebody called us on, um, I called us on, but asked, what is the greater good? Who is to say what the greater good is? I understand that. I just, I don't know. I don't. I don't really know what good comes from this, I guess you, I, that's probably an irresponsible statement, not like one I have to initiate an apology for, but that's probably not the way I want to phrase it. I just, I just don't see, I'm, I'm, and, and when I said on the morning or the evening of January 6th that I think maybe it had to get this bad, as bad as this is for a lot of people to see the light, I never thought when I was saying that, that it would get to an impeachment, just not because it wasn't something that I thought about, but because I thought there'd be no way they would do it because he was leaving so soon. And so now it's like, okay, we're focusing on these COVID numbers and we're focusing on the economy and focusing on climate change legislation and focusing on the $1.9 billion. And at the very least, even though it's only a third of it, at least the Republicans came to the White House and they sat down and they talked face to face. And from my standpoint, that's progress. That's progress even over the Obama administration in some capacity and much less the Trump administration. And and now it's like, okay, we're moving the ball forward. That thing is now a few weeks old and it's like, oh, here it is again. Now we got to go back to that, and I just, I don't know, man. So 
why do I bring that up? I know I'm not holding office, but if I were in that spot, I wouldn't be on board with it and be a weird spot, you know, because I know that, you know, if, if you're a Democrat, you have to you have to walk in line. Well, I disagree with that. I know that's the way the game's played, but I disagree with that. And if you're a Republican, now you're in the tough spot of going, well, yeah, I think it was impeachable. God, but I don't want to vote to impeach him, not because... Uh, I don't think it's I don't think it's an impeachable offense because I just want the country to move on. So, but then you know I'm running in 2022 and they're going to use it against me. So now you know I'm a Donald Trump supporter even though I'm thrilled that he's not in office anymore. I think there are a lot of Republicans who would fall into that category. So I don't know. I just feel like I mean maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people haven't moved past it. But I feel like the country's starting to move past the thing, and now all it's going to do is start it back up again. So. That wasn't what the salt and the duck butter asked. He asked basically whether or not this, I want to call it a conspiracy because I know that has a super negative connotation, but if the politicians shut down the economy and then reopened it up in certain places for the purpose of Trump, and I would imagine that that factored in for some people. Yes, I would believe that that is the case. Do I think that is the overwhelming majority of them? No, I don't. Um, I am... 100% speculating, as Sultan of Duck Butter, you acknowledged you were as well. Um, I think so much is about party loyalty, and so much over the last four years was about either Trump loyalty or making sure you were anti-Trump, and you did not have an opportunity to be in between, because if you were not 100% with him, he took that as you were 100% against him. And that is how we had that stuff play out. So, um, I'm you know, I, say, I do say I'm glad it's over, but my God, I, I feel like we're bringing it back, and we're just bringing it back a couple weeks later. So anyway, there it is. Uh, questions from the audience is in the books. Thank you to Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. Thank you to Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling. Thank you to James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Thank you to Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson of Munganess, stlouisacura.com, and altontoyota.com. Thank you to Jim Rogers of RestorationOne.com, and thank you to Mark Hanna of Evergreen Wealth Strategies, EvergreenSTL.com. I'm Tim McKernan. That's Action Jackson. Thank you for listening to The Tim McKernan Show from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios on the Inside STL Podcast Network. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home-trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.